the Own Your Intuitive podcast is for the creatives, spiritual entrepreneurs, and light workers in the world. The shining ones who have been told to dim their light and stop believing in magic. I say screw that. The time to rise is now to bring your gifts out into the world in a big way, creating a business that feeds your soul and your bank account. You are a magical being with the potential to change the world, one human at a time. The time for you to own your intuitive is now. Hey everybody, I am so excited for today's episode of the Own Your Intuitive podcast. It is with great love I get to share probably one of the biggest lights in human form I have ever come in contact with. When this woman opens her mouth, it's like a ray of sunshine comes blasting out at you. She is a gift to this earth. And she is here making a splash and making an impact in the spiritual world. And I am just so very grateful to have Jen Mons on the podcast today. Hi, Jen. Hey, darling. Thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful introduction that I am just allowing myself to receive in this moment. I'm really just like to hear you say those sweet, kind words about me. It's just like, it feels really good to, to hear that and to receive that. So thank you for that introduction. But it's true. Like I have, there is not a human that I has been in your realm that doesn't say, oh my goodness. Like Jen Mons is so just light filled. She's so much love. She cares so much. She, you know, like you really are on this earth to be love and spread love and share love. Cause you are, every time I talk to Jen, everybody, she is telling you about a person who you, you know, could connect with. And she's connects the dots with human to human to really, I would say, increase the vibration of the earth. Mm, thank you. Thank you for for seeing that in me and for sharing that you see that in me. And like I said, I'm just in a, a space of receiving. I think it's, you know, it just reminds me to allow myself to be in the space of receiving my truth as it comes through messages from other people. And, you know, I think that that happens a lot, that we hear things that we need to hear through other people. And what you're sharing with me right now is I just came from, a couple of days up in Portsmouth is very similar to what I was hearing a lot of people say. And I'm really in that space of just receiving that my inner light is enough and who I am in just my being and my essence is just where I am and it's what I'm here to be. And then, you know, I get to do the work as service too, but it's really just standing in our own light, which is really all of us are here to do, right? We were just talking about you were supporting another lovely lady just to believe in her inner truth. And when we embrace that inner truth that we are here, who we were born to be, it's just, it's like freedom and it's yummy and delicious and joyful and fuzzy and all and, the good feels. <laughs> yeah. And then that's when we get to be like, this is fun and this is magical because this is the way we're choosing. And of course, that's the one thing that I've always loved that I was immediately drawn to with you is like, We've done the really hard self-work and we know that it's a journey and maybe it's not over, but at least we're in a place now that we know that we are where we are. We can embrace whatever comes our way and we get to choose to be in the joy of the experience too. So I love, I really love that about you. Like I was just immediately like, oh, yay. <laughs> so yeah. So thank you for having me on the show. It is such an honor 
And I just love our connection and I loved having you as a guest on the show. In fact, um, it's one of my most listened to episodes, our time together. So really excited to be a guest on your show. And what's your podcast name? My podcast name is called The Embodied Healing Self, which is all about just conscious conversations to access your embodied healing self so that you can receive your soul's wisdom. So we do the work around our emotional healing, our mindset, and our physical body so that we can step into that vibration of our highest truth. Uh, boom. That was yeah. Yeah. phenomenal. And so, Jen, this is like we're skirting and we're sharing so much of what makes us who we are, but can you kind of go a little deeper and just let the listeners or the watchers on YouTube um, know what it is that you are on this earth to do? What is your stardust? So my stardust, is, you said, is really just for me to stand in my light and to be a presence of healing. And as I do that, how that shows up in the work that I do is I am able to see, sense, and feel and hold the highest vibration of other souls until they're ready to receive it. And it includes clearing energy blocks, as you know, that's part of it. And then, you know, creating that sacred space through the vessel, through the container, which in this life is really our physical body, right? Like our life experience, our physical body holds all of the experiences through the imprint of cellular memory of this life experience. Because without this body, we're just spirits floating around in the air. And that's quite wonderful, except there are things that we don't experience in the spirit world, which includes joy and includes suffering, but it includes love and connection and intimacy too. So it's, it's the embodiment of the highest vibration of our soul that comes down into this body for this experience. So, And so I love, I love talking about this kind of stuff, but, but were you always this connected? Is this something that you just <laughs> innately knew your entire life? So this is a really great, great question because part of what I do, a lot of what I do is helping people to remember who they were, right? So we come into this earth with a specific vibration or energy signature is what I like to call it. It's how I see the world, very vibrationally, very energetically. So our soul decides at some point in time that we're going to come back to this earth. We're going to have this experience. We want to work on a few things. This is my belief. We choose our parents. We choose our setup. And we come in as the highest vibration of who we are. We come in from unconditional love. and And then life happens. And we choose the setup to help us to evolve and grow. And so, no, I haven't always been this way. And in fact, I'm like a cat. You're a cat person, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a dog person, but I love cat people. But I've had, I feel like I've had nine lives. So, you know, from very, very early on, I created the need for safety. I created the need to be loved. And how I found those things were what I like to call, they really came from like my survivor self, but they served me really, really well. Um, and, and I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this, but it was a, I became a really high performer, overachiever, perfectionist, anything I did, I overachieved in and really valued myself for what I did, not who I was, because that's how I received recognition and love from my parents. The safety thing was another thing that showed up through my parents. There was a moment in time where there was a situation that was unsafe and I stepped in front as a seven-year-old to protect my mother and I was shut down. And so there were many occurrences where my truth and when I would come out was being shut down. 
And this included the world that I was living in. And in other words, you know, I could see, sense, and feel if loved ones passed away and I could feel their energy coming back to me. And then like, you know, I would be told like, don't say things like that. So from there, I ended up choosing a life of, I attended, um, it sounds kind of crazy to even say, but I attended the Merchant Marine Academy, which is one of the five federal service academies in the United States. So it's a congressional nomination, 7% women. Um, I overachieved when I was there. I got the two degrees that you can get. I decided I was going to get both. I got two Coast Guard licenses to captain a ship, to be an engineer on a ship. I spent three years working on merchant ships, sailing around the world, going to different countries, almost always the only woman on the ship, extremely dangerous. Um, And I just kept trying to find my worth in what I was doing. And I really was like here to prove, I had this thing where I was going to like prove to men that I could do whatever they could do and have babies. And then the funny thing is, is that when I was 28 years old, working corporate as an engineer, and of course, as a manager of a department of about a hundred people, all men older than me, like 20 years older than me, I'm sure they love that. Um, When I became pregnant with my first daughter and you know, quite honestly, I struggled with being a woman. I struggled being in my body because it never felt safe. So everything that I was seeking, I was creating the experience, but I was doing it from an unhealthy place. It was proving that I could stay safe by fighting and surviving my whole life. And I was attracting those experiences. And then at seven months pregnant, um, I was diagnosed. Well, I went in for an appointment. I left work early and never came out of the hospital. And five days later, my daughter was born. I had pregnancy-induced liver failure. And I had one of the most severe cases that you can have. It went, it became super quick. The doctor I was with had just lost a mother the week before she passed away from the same thing. So he was very, you know, this is a real thing. And I was like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's not me. Nothing bad happens to me. And the defining moment for me was really my body completely shut down. I lost total control over it. I was whatever medication I was on, but, um, 30, about 30 hours after my daughter was born, I can remember people talk about like an out of body experience, but for me, I was behind. It was like behind watching the movie of my life and like just seeing fuzzy yellow sparkles. (laughs) And I don't even know what that was. It could have been medication. It could have been, the blood pressure that I was on, the medication not to have seizures. But this was the defining moment. I was in so much pain, I didn't want to be there anymore. And I hadn't held my baby yet. My husband's sitting there on the side, just looking down. And I just remember thinking, he's going to be okay. Like, he's going to be such a good dad. I, I don't want to be here. I don't have to be here. And it's like this energy came through me in my gut that was like, it's almost like this like burst of energy. Like I was like back in my body, like this isn't about you anymore. Like your trauma, those weren't the words I heard. But when I went back to it, it's like, it's not about you. You're a mother, go down and hold your baby. And so I hadn't held her yet. And I finally, for the first time since she was born, spoke and was like, I need to go hold my baby. And the thing is tomorrow when I went down there, And I looked at her for the first time. She was in an incubator. 
and she was like three pounds. So super, she had all these tubes, you know, all over. She just rolled, turned her head over and she looked at me and her eyes looked right through me. Like she looked right through my soul and she was like, I'm here. (laughs) And so that was really the beginning of like the rebirth of, you know, what, what I really came here to do because as I did the work and there's so many layers to, to my story that include another health crisis and all kinds of things. But as I peeled the layer at some point in time, I remembered that we had been together before and that she was my mother in a life before this. And there was so much validation in that. Like she was eight years old when I did this past life regression. Nobody in my family knew I was doing it the day that I did it. And I came home and she wrote me a note that said, I still have the note. It said, you've been the greatest presence for as long as I can remember. You've been an angel in my life, the greatest presence in many lives. Like what eight-year-old writes that, right? (laughs) So... That was just like confirmation that that's part of the work that I'm here to do. And when I've, when I've really asked my soul, like, what am I here to do? I'm really just here to surrender to the journey and to surrender to my truth and to release control. So the control that kept me safe all my life, I lived in the box, right? I was the military. I was the engineer. I was really good at being a rock star. So good. And then everything change to alter my course to where I am now, which is really my truth. So, yeah. Okay. So we're going to go back in time. That was powerful. Jen Mons. <laughs> so much there that I want to touch on, but I felt your little seven-year-old really strongly when you were sharing that story. And so I want to kind of go back and ask her, her experiences, because I know that there are listeners who heard you say that you could see, hear, sense, and feel when you were young. Can you describe a little bit more some of the situations or sensations or this knowledge you had when you were that young? Yeah, thank you for the invitation to share that, because I I not only want to share it for the listeners, but also for the listeners who are parents, because they might notice these things in their children. And we have an opportunity to allow our children to express who they are, not shut them down because of our fear of not understanding them, which is how I chose to be different as a parent for my children. So I just, and I think listeners are going to really relate to this. Like I was just that kid who just, I felt like I knew more than I was supposed to about people sometimes um, it, I could just, I, I, I could feel like you hear, you hear that like good vibe, bad vibe thing, but I didn't really know what it was. It's just, I knew that there were just some people I didn't like. And sometimes they were people that were in our family. Sometimes it was, you know, an extended family member, or I just didn't feel right. Um, you know, and sometimes there were things about my own parents that I was feeling that I was, I was really feeling their inner conflict and, I would just, you know, and it would go just beyond the physical world too. Like I had this connection with God. That's the word that I use. Some people use source. Some people use grace. Some people use, you know, divine source of energy, universal consciousness, consciousness, whatever it is. It's this larger than life, like energy that holds us together. It created us. It's where we come from. And this was something that I always knew. Like I just knew it. I didn't question it. I was raised in a Catholic family. And at a very young age, I still knew to discern what I was hearing and what I knew. And 
I still had the commitment to do the practice, do the rituals of the Catholic religion. And in fact, at some point in time, as, even as a middle schooler, teenager, I was the only one doing it in my family, which is a little counterintuitive. Usually it's like the other way, right? But there was this connection that I never had to have a reason. I never had to explain it. It was just a knowing. And interestingly enough, it was never anything that I was seeking outside of myself. I didn't need somebody to, I didn't need the Bible to confirm what I already knew or, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that I knew more than the person teaching me. It's just like, I knew what was true for me. And so how this would show up uncomfortably is when I would say things that didn't feel right, when I would speak out, it was never, it never felt like it was received in a loving way. And so some of the things that I would hear from my parents and God bless them. Cause I'm a parent now, like we're all doing the best we can do is like, you know, you think, you know, everything, or you think you're better than other people, or you're all about you, or you're too sensitive, or you can't handle, you know, you you just, all you think about is what's bothering you, or you can't handle, you know, feedback, or you're just too sensitive around other people. Those were the things I was hearing. But the truth is, is, yeah, I was all of those things, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. What we could really do as a parent is listen to our children and teach them how to harness the energy that they're experiencing, because that's really what it is, right? Teach them the healthy boundary. Teach them how to discern what they're receiving. Teach them how to learn from what they're receiving. And so for me, I just shut it down. I completely shut it down. And um, you remember the instant that you shut it down? Yeah, it was the moment where there was a physical, tangible situation. And um, I stepped in front of to protect my mother from a threatening situation. And then to go beyond that, and I was just a tiny, tiny, I mean, I'm five to 110 pounds now. So then I was just a, you know, a tiny person. But for me, like, I don't think I'm small. I think I'm the same size as everybody else because I read energy. So I know that my energy is bigger than my physical body. So I stepped in front to protect her. But then the, the hard part was, is that I used my voice and I shared with a trusted adult the situation. And then she shut me down and said, you, you can't do that. You, even though I knew I was right, she was telling me not to do a little lost as to what the situation and how you used your voice. You know what I mean? Like, can you, can you give a little more detail here? (laughs) Sure. So, um, basically my father's temper got the best of him and he became threatening and he was very threatening with his words multiple times. And he, I mean, he really has, he's come a really long way. He's had to work through his anger and resentment, which shows up in the liver, right? Now, remember, I had liver failure. So this is a karmic genetic pattern that keeps yeah. repeating. And so, and physically, he's had stage four cancer. So there, is, there are physical manifestations, I believe, that can happen from self-resentment. And I was just never afraid of speaking my truth. And so when I, so in this moment, he was, he went beyond being verbally threatening and well, he was still verbally threatening, but it was also just kind of, he kind of used his physical forth to tell, to basically say to her, 
like I'm in control here and this is what's going to happen and made threatening remarks and the whole situation was really uncomfortable. And I just, and I literally physically came between them and was like, you can't do this. And whereas, you know, my siblings would just cry because they were scared. I was the one that's like, this is not okay. And, and as a child, just knowing and thinking like, Oh, I did the right thing, you know, and then sharing it with seeking help, really. I shared it with one of their friends. And as I shared it, sort of seeking support and help, um, I was just told by my mother, it came back to her, like, because this person was concerned for her safety. And she just asked me to to never share anything, as I'm doing right now, right? Never share anything outside of our family again. But there was a part of me that knew that the only way to break a pattern was to, to, to not do what had been done, to step outside the box, to cross the line, to speak the truth about what I knew was right. So there were many experiences happening in my life with these inner knowings, the intuition, the empathy, and all of these things that would show up. But the, the one that I remember the most was an actual physical experience, which then developed this need to be safe. And this need to, but then even further than that, what's so interesting is I decided in that moment, I decided that moment that as a seven-year-old, I will become a woman that will be respected by my father. And I will prove to him that I am better than him and I am not afraid of him. I will not be the victim. So I, I shifted my total energy, came into the solar plexus chakra. My favorite color was even yellow. At my whole bedroom, I'm serious, my whole bedroom was yellow. Yeah, and I, I still vividly, it was a yellow hobby, holly hobby room. And I lived in Texas at the time. And I just remember, and so then from then on, you know, and then there was the belief that it, it served me so well. I became such a high performer and high achiever and I did all these things and my dad acknowledged these things. He thought they were wonderful, like I, you know, I went to a military academy. He would have loved to have gotten into one. And I, I did all these things that he couldn't do. And he was so proud of me. But for me, I did it because he was going to respect me because I was not going to fear him. So was that's... there a level of needing to be in control safety, like controlling? Yes. Right? That's exactly it. And then the whole birth trauma experience was all about, oh, you're not in control. Yeah. So you touched upon, and I know the, the military life, I could feel the energy there of like the go and the hustle and the drive and the, you know, and there's so many stories in, in podcast interviews that I have gotten to be honored to be in the receiving zone for that, you know, that level of momentum and intensity because it almost feels like it's a tidal wave, right? Like you just, once you're on the treadmill and you keep speeding up the treadmill, it's like the treadmill can't stop, right? And so then you have this epiphany moment giving birth to your daughter. Did you jump off the treadmill there or did you mm. get back on the treadmill for a little while and need some more you know, guidance from the universe to slow yourself down? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, you hear the stories of people who have like, you know, a moment and then their whole life changes. And for me, it was not so easy. I had a lot of unpeeling and unraveling to do. And so the body, like the, 
I was still in survival mode. So that was just the first event, which then turned into literally like three to almost six years of taking care of a very sick child and losing my own health. So I continue to live in survival mode, which comes first, right? You're just trying to get through the day. You're trying so to... those who, yeah, like this is literally flight or flight. Like this yes. goes into your fear-based brain. Like I just want to touch on what that that actually happens. Your rational brain, your emotional brain shut down and you live in a state of fear and adrenaline and cortisol. So hundred percent. And, and, you know, I love the book waking the tiger by Dr. Peter Levine. It, it's, it helped me. Um, it's all about healing trauma. It helped me to bridge that gap together on what was actually happening in my body. So it was a, it was a, it was quite honestly a long road for me. Um, I was in denial total, we, we, it's going through the five stages of grief that you go through when you lose a loved one. So I was grieving the entire experience, the loss of my birth experience, the loss of my health, the loss of who I was before that moment. So I went through all the five stages. Plus I lived in survival mode. And so I was told never have to, to have children again. Like moms die in this country still. And when they die, it's because of what you had and yours was very severe. And I can remember telling the doctor, like, I'm going to, I know I'm going to have another kid. And he, my doctor yelled at me, like, are you crazy? I was like, whoa. Okay. So I moved from Phoenix to Jacksonville, Florida. And I searched everywhere for a doctor who would support me in having another child. And I finally found one. And he happened to be the head of um, the, the high risk hospital here and also the department of education for um, OBGYN. So he knew exactly what he was getting himself into. And he told me, nobody should ever tell you not to have kids. And I'm like, thank you. That's what I think too. So this is another, these are all these moments of trusting my intuition, right? There's this moment where I'm like, oh, it's not about me. Go see your child. And there's this moment, like, I know I'm going to have another kid. I just have to have somebody to support me. And he comes in. And then there was a moment around my daughter's health where for three years, we'd been to every specialist in Jacksonville. We had been to people around the country. She had missed nine months of school. She had had um, or she had missed three we months. I don't know what's going on with her health. What was her health problem? Her, it, she, so the truth is, is that she's such a high vibration soul that it's hard for her to survive in this world. Nobody had answers for her. The only one that had the answer was me learning to trust my intuition on what she needed. Nothing in the medical community worked. Nothing traditional worked. Nothing. Nobody had an answer. Nobody, like how, how did she appear sick? So... Um, for example, at the age of three, she weighed 21 pounds. She couldn't gain weight. She was failure to thrive. She had very severe asthma where she had nothing for three years. Um, I believe she was vaccine injured and I'm actually recording about that later today. And then all of a sudden went to the, like a severe level of asthma for a year. She had to do a breathing treatment every two to four hours come to find out years later, she was, she's actually allergic to albuterol, which is the only medicine available in the United States. So I now have to order a different type of medicines from Vanuatu because it's not available in this country. The thing that I have always learned from her is that, is that we, in our medical system, we have to be treated for who we are, not the disease that we have or the symptoms that we have. Right. And so it was a long road of energy healing, acupressure, something called NAET, which is also energy healing, Chinese medicine, homeopathy, and herbs. She was on six prescription drugs at the age of three. 
they labeled her, they diagnosed her with like six different things, none of which I ever accepted. One of, but you one of them, one of them was Crohn's disease, which they never diagnosed children with because Crohn's disease is measured by a level of anti-inflammatory proteins that your body produces when it's over inflamed. And the level that she had was so high, it was like she had an adult gut of inflammation. That's how high it was. So she was never able to gain weight. Um, she had severe asthma. She had allergies. She had like throat problems. She had vision problems. She had mood problems. She couldn't focus. Of course, they labeled her with everything, right? Like ADHD and then some vision stuff was happening. Um, at one point in time, they thought she had Tourette's because she was – just because – they love to just label those symptoms. Yeah. And I finally, there was a night where I was just, I called her pediatrician at four in the morning. She had something really weird where her hands blew up like balloons. They were purple and blue. They had some name for it, multiforme urethria. I can't even remember all the names. Like it just doesn't even matter at this point. But there was a night that was super scary and the children's hospital was 45 minutes away. My husband was working. I had a newborn baby and I was like, I have to call the fire station because I can't, she won't make it 45 minutes. She's, her lungs are look like they're going to collapse and her hands are purple and blue, like balloons. I mean, super swelled up and she, she, and so were her feet and she couldn't walk. And I just didn't know what to do. And so I would give her this breathing treatment. She was on steroids all the time just to try and calm her in the moment. And the minute I did, did, did that one treatment, her face swelled up. And then her, th and then she's, she was just so scared. And I was like, oh my God, like, uh, you know, am I going to lose her? Like after, after how hard she fought to come into this world. And I called her doctor and I was like, this isn't working anymore. And she's like, you're right. Do what you think you have to do. And I was, all I needed was her permission. And I just started doing everything that I knew I was supposed to do. And that traditional medicine didn't work for her. It was making her more sick. And that she was one of those children that was here to teach us that the world that we live in right now is toxic and it's not okay. It's, there are many children coming into the world right now who are experiencing symptoms of this. Autism is on the rise. You know, mental health is on the rise. Uh, diabetes is on the rise. It's manifesting in different ways in our bodies because we are living a life that is not supporting our frequency, basically. And so her frequency is a high vibration soul wanting to come into my body. And I was living in my lower frequency at that time. Right. And so that's when the, the body just shut down because she thought I was going to be living at my highest frequency and it was going to be okay. But when I'm living down here and she tries to come in, my body couldn't handle that. And it's happening in her like talk about how scary that must have been for the first four years of her life for you as her parent. Like, my gosh, Jen. Yeah. A lot of trauma there. Yeah, a lot. And so I often talk about the birth experiences, the trauma, but that was just the beginning. The real trauma was worrying about whether or not my child was going to live still. And, um, you know, just not really knowing if I was ever going to be able to enjoy her. And the good news is I do. We worked yes. through it. Yes. But I want to, I want to go back to that you for a second too, because like, I want to honor her because did you go back to work and then all these appointments and all of the, the care, like the worrying every single day, whether she was like, it feels like this was live or die. It was. Times. So 
I had another child when my oldest daughter was three. And this particular baby came into the world really extremely self-sufficient. And she came full term and was just exactly what I needed because I realized I could be the same person and have two different children and two different experiences and that whatever was happening for them was not my fault. Mm, Powerful. Yeah. It just is what it was. And so each of them are here to teach me the different parts of myself. And so, and both of them are a reflection of the wholeness of who I am. So I took a year off of my original job And I went back to work for a couple of weeks. And then, thank God, my husband got his dream job that moved us to Florida. So that whole chapter closed. And I was never in alignment anyways. And I knew that. But it was something that I felt like I had to do. So I was still living in the what I have to do. And then when my daughter had all these health issues, and when I learned to trust myself, I also learned that one of my gifts is that I really have a lot of courage. So all those military experiences give me the courage. I am like, I am fearless and I am fierce and I will try things because to me, it's like the answers already know if you don't try and you never know until you try. And so I would try all these things for my daughter and they were working all of these holistic things. And it was so good within six months, she had pneumonia for nine months within six weeks, I should say using these herbs we cleared this pneumonia. She became resistant to antibiotics. That's how much she was on them. Nothing could help her. And so I then decided, well, now I'm going to become a health coach and help other people because I see these highly sensitive children. And I worked with highly sensitive children for a long time, families with highly sensitive children, specifically around like food sensitivities, because that's kind of how it shows up in the gut. But 80% of our neurotransmitters are in our gut. 80% of our immunities are in our gut. So if we can work to heal the gut, figure out where the inflammation and the toxicity is coming in, then we can improve their overall immune function, which equals quality of life. And I'm an Enneagram 7, so I'm all about the quality of life. So I'm all about, like, making life, you know, fun and a a great experience. So, yeah, I really totally lived in survival mode. I lived in victim consciousness, and I will just own it. I lived in complete victim consciousness, Even though I still believed in God, I was curious about what my belief was. I was curious about, you know, suffering in the world. And um, I actually didn't know if I was a Christian. And so there was a night in 2014 where I had a really bad day and I went to the beach and had such a bad day. And and then I got to go to the beach, which is great. It's my happy place. And I started was meditating then, and I would go to my happy place, which is this place on Kauai, which is where my husband's from. And I kept trying to force myself to go to my happy place. And I kept going to the operating room when my daughter was born. At this point in time, she's like eight. And I was like, what the hell? Like, I don't want to be there. I want to be in my happy place. And I was like, fine. I just surrendered. And then I just had this vision when I was questioning what my beliefs were of an image of Jesus standing at the foot of my bed and just holding his arms out and just saying, you don't have to worry anymore. I've got her. And I, it felt so real. Like it felt out of body. It felt like I was there again, but seeing it from my higher self perspective. 
I just felt like all of this worry about whether or not my daughter was going to, I mean, there were moments where I questioned like, you know, is she going to die of an asthma attack today? Like all of the worries that I had just kind of like left. And I just was like, oh, I guess that, I guess, you know, Jesus has been a presence in my life as I'm wondering who is my ascended master. Well, that confirmed it for me. Okay. Like it was so clear in my mind and yeah, I think that that was just a defining moment again. And then in the human perspective, my husband and I were really, we're very lucky like that we are soulmates because we were just, again, we forgot, we forgot all about our relationship because we were literally in survival mode for years. So I just really think I'm so grateful that he was able to hold the space for me to do this work to heal our family. Because in his family, like his mom did a lot of that work. She kind of broke the karmic pattern, I believe, so that he could hold the space for me to do it for our girls. And so you have this experience on the beach in 2014. So I'm going to assume that's where you could release the victimhood and you could release the parts of yourself that were those lower vibration human experiences to step more fully into your truth in the presence of unconditional love that you were born into. So how did that moment shift things in the physical life that was happening? So for me, it's always been about coming back to trust. Like it's, it's the trust and the inner knowing that I had as a child. When we started this conversation, it was like there was always an inner knowing that, you know, there was, there was a natural discernment of what I was hearing even in church. Like what is mine? What is my truth? Um, and this inner knowing that, you know, maybe speaking, speaking out to step to protect my mom, maybe it won't be received, but I, but this inner knowing that it's the right thing to do. And so that moment just gave me like this sense of realizing that I was never alone. I was never alone. And, and actually it even felt like there was like the presence of like an angel holding me in her lap. And I, I remember like hearing, like I was asking like, you know, who is the name? What is, who is here? And just, you know, hearing like Gabriel and um, really just this, this presence of just realizing that I were never alone. And even when we don't feel supported physically in the world, we are supported by something so much greater than us that is the reason that we're here, the reason where we're created to come back into this life. And so at the end of the day, whatever our experiences are, whatever our trauma, none of that defines who we are. It's a part of our energetic signature, our energetic makeup. But it's, it's not just about our own experience. It's part of this larger integrated network of, so now... I do this healing work for my family and then I do it for other families. Like that whole experience had to happen so that I could be, I could show up in the world in services I'm meant to do. And just remembering to trust, it's always coming back to that just trust of really just the essence of my being. So were you already doing the healing work with other families when you had that moment? And I, I was. In fact, I was leading a four-week program at the time. 
And I shared my experience in the Facebook group. And I was like, whoa, what? Like, it's almost like I didn't know I was sharing it, but I was like, that's pretty, that's a pretty vulnerable to put yourself out there and be like, hey, Jesus was at the foot of my bed. Like, then it's like, well, who am I to think I can have that experience, right? But, but then it comes down to that Marianne Williams thing. Thing. It's like, who are you not to think that you are? And is there going to be judgment because I'm claiming this is my master and not Buddha? Or, I mean, and it's possible that one of my daughters is Buddhist. Like I am like, that's, you know, I really do think one, like I see that in them, but I have a daughter, like, I just know my youngest one, she's Buddhist and that's okay. Like, so it was very vulnerable and I shared it and it was like crickets. Nobody responded because what happens is people when we, when we think about how vulnerable it is to put ourselves out there, you know, people, they, it's a frequency thing. So if it's not in alignment with them, they're probably not going to hear you say it anyways, or right. they're not going to read. read the post. It won't even, it won't like, even, it yeah. won't even land for them. No. So, yeah. So I was, I was doing that work. And then, and then four months later, I had my second health crisis. So for me, the theme that showed up for me, is that my physical body or the belief that I created from it is, you know, as long, if I do not honor my truth, my physical body speaks to me. That's what happens. So I, there's a lot of energy that moves through me. I experience a lot of energy in the world. And if I'm not, if I'm not creating clarity around that, then, then I'm going to know. And I'm going to see, I'm going to get messages that are uncomfortable. And I say this because I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Thyroid dysfunction. Yep. Gallbladder removal. Yep. Okay. These are the epidemics that I'm seeing right now. Um, there are emotions associated with those parts of the body and it is all energy that is manifested in the body. So what is it really telling you? Like what, what is the energy in that space in your body? And for me, that was a theme that kept happening. And so it always comes back to, Staying in alignment with the truth. Do you know how much of a teaser you are in these conversations? Because you're like, and then I have my second health scare, and then off you go into another thing about, you know, emotions and physical body. And we are left here to go like, wait, 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 wait Jen, tell us, like, what was your physical manifestation of this emotional energy? Yeah, so I was literally at the peak of eating clean where I had the belief that like, I really, I had this belief, like, if you eat healthy, you will heal your life. Food heals everything. It's magic. And because it, it did, it healed my daughter. It healed me. I never got sick anymore. And then at the peak of eating clean, I was actually leading one of my detox programs. I went to the International School of Detoxification. Like, I, I, I went to the highest level of understanding that I could come to where people were healing cancer naturally. And I was like, you know, if you want to live forever and be happy, just eat healthy. So I'm, at, I'm, I'm having this experience in February 2015, which is when I met Heather. This is when she came into my life, the one I introduced you to. And what's so interesting is in, in the exact same moments that this is happening, I had this second health crisis. My dad goes in for open heart surgery. I had pre-scheduled an appointment with Heather the day after his surgery, not knowing that's how it was all going to unfold. Um, his, his surgery was unsuccessful. Five, since then, he has been in heart failure. He's been in kidney failure. He, they made a mistake. And there was, I became aware of my, my inner karmic energetic patterns attached to my family. So whatever he was experiencing was happening to me, like high blood pressure, low blood pressure, dizzy, passing out. 
And then I went into a health crisis literally like two days later into the emergency room after being so healthy for so long. So there was an energetic thing that was happening. But what spirit really told me is you can eat as healthy as you want, but if you do not connect to your source energy and if you do not heal your spirit or your heart space and these needs that need to be met, it doesn't matter. So I learned, oh, eating healthy isn't everything. So I stopped. I homeschooled travel with my kids for a year. I did yoga teacher training. I did meditation training. And at the exact time that this is happening, because I'm so open to healing, my energy was open to, again, like anytime there's a contraction in our life, I asked the question, what is this showing me about me? What is it in me that needs to be healed? Mm -hmm. And so I become open energetically to the healing. And as I became open energetically, my daughter could sense it. And she began to share with me the world that she was living in. And how old is she now? When she Thir was sharing that? She's, she's 13 and she was um, eight. So, so then it was confirmation that, there is this other world that we live in. There is this other reality because she, she would tell me things that there was no way that she knew that these things were like right. names, names of ancestors. I, like no way she could know. Right. I don't live wow. near them. They've never been, they've never been alive since she was alive. We don't talk about that. So, and I just felt an energy shift. Sometimes I burp or I yawn when energy comes through. But, um, so yeah, then I was like, and, and this is sacred stuff as a parent, right? I mean, this is a really sacred space to have with your kids. Like, because there's this element again of like, you, you are not in control. This is another dimension, right? If you want to, oh, I sure. mean, so you can keep your kids safe in this world by saying you can't eat that sugar and you can't go to that school and don't get in the car with that person. But when we're talking about multidimensional, it's like, well, you know, that that's asking for trust again. So then I started to remember, I started to remember and see, sense and feel, and we would sit and she was so sweet. We'd experience things together. She was my teacher. She was my teacher for this period of time. And I started to remember that that's not, that is actually a large part. That is the reality like that. All of that energy that we are, that we are always supported, that we are multidimensional beings, that this life experience is so so multifaceted and I started to remember it's almost like she would come and speak to me as if she wasn't even it wasn't even her right this energy would come through her and just and speak to me and so I then I began I began um, shifting health coaching more into like healthy relationships to the body incorporating more life coaching getting a little spiritual around it and then still afraid to fully step into that and then two years ago doing more inner deep work, experiencing more Hashimonic healing experience and realize like that is who I was born to be. Like, you know, just to share one gift that I have that I know to be true is just my, I never doubted my connection to source energy to God. Like it's just a knowing that I have. And um, it surprises me when people, it doesn't surprise me, but at first it would surprise me that people couldn't feel it or not experience it or believe it. Because for me, it's always easy for me to see in other people, right? I, I could just see like where, you know, I have a, a beautiful friend who's French and she's an atheist, right? Cause a lot of, it's a thing in France and I'm like, hmm, but, but yet you're such an animal lover and you're so connected to these little birds that are being born and you're so connected to nature. And I'm like, that, that is what 
the energy of God is, right? right? I think when we remove ourselves from the identity or label of what we think it's supposed to be and just allow yeah. ourselves to be in the presence of it, we realize that we're all speaking the same thing. Well, if we could just get down to the, the simple truth that it's love. Like if you can hold a container of pure, unconditional love, then you are connected to a faith, right? Absolutely. And that faith can be anything. It can be, you know, it can be the trees. It can be the flowers. It can be the birds. It can be our children. It can be, mm -hmm. you know, the clouds, the sun, the, there's so many ways that it manifests in our, in our day-to-day -day experience. And right before we got on, you know, we were both in this, this is what happens with two highly frequency spiritual beings on the earth. We're like, I just, I just love everything about everything. And we're so grateful that we see all the miracles that are happening in those places. And, and so I want to invite anyone who is listening, who might be going like, oh, man, I'm so far from where Tamara and Jen are right now. I'm going to invite you guys that it begins with the simplistic way of just being open to receive the signs as they're being gifted to you. So like if I could just bring you to this elevated state of, you know, unlimited consciousness, which is what Jen and I wish for all of you, like as a human, as a, you know, person on this earth, but to just be open to receive each sign and miracle. Cause when you start to open to that, you're open to all. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And then, right. you, and then you become the miracle of life. Like you just, it's like you live in the flow as you've been talking about lately, which is the miracle of life. It's not what you do. It's just, you're just, you become it. You're just, you're just receiving it. And so now when you're working with your clients, you embody so much more than just the physical body. You really do work on the entire body, physical, emotional, spiritual, like the whole realms. Mm -hmm. Can you share yeah. a bit about that? Yeah. So um, I first start by creating super sacred space and remembering it's all about, it's not even what I'm doing. It's, it's really just allowing myself to be in the space of receiving from source and then sharing it and actually kind of holding it with open arms until the person is ready to receive it. So I hold it. I don't, um, cause it, that's how we empower people, right? We hold it and we encourage them to lovingly step into their truth. It's like, so there's a lot happening in a session with people and I am, so I, when I was health coaching, I would have a session with somebody and I would feel like my kidneys. I, and I didn't, I didn't have a word for it at the time, but I, and then they would say to me, Oh, I had kidney failure. I'm like, yeah, well, that explains why my kidneys have been hurting. And then I just kind of realized like I was feeling, I could feel a person had a bladder infection. And I believe that we're, we all actually have the ability to do this, but our fears block us from knowing that it's possible that we're all much more alike than we think we are. And so, um, or the fear for me that would show up is who am I to think I'm special? But the truth is, is that we all are. It's just learning how to be aware of it, witness it and what to do with it. So in my sessions, it's very multifaceted. I am 
receiving energy. I'm very, very clear audience. That's the one thing that comes through. It's always in my left ear. Um, I also see, sense, and feel empathically. And I've had to do a lot of work around this too. So for those of you who are listening, there is some, there is a, it's a, it's a big responsibility to be in the space of holding that space for people, as you know, because we have to learn how to discern what is ours and what is theirs. Yeah. And when we're receiving from source, everything comes from love. Yeah. And, but energetically, there will be things that will want to sort of tweak our vibration a little bit. And we just have to know where we stand and we have to stay in that vibration. And that is really our only responsibility. So I look at it as I'm not really doing the work. I'm just holding the space for it. So I'm receiving information. I'm seeing things and, and including, you know, energy blocks doing that too as well. But the way that I heal is through my voice and just sharing messages on what the next step is. I'm able to see the underlying patterns as you're able to do, but I'm not a healer with my hands. You know, there are people who heal with their hands and they do Reiki. And I think that that's amazing. But for me, I'm a teacher. And so when I would get my energy work done, which I think is super important, massages are great. All of that is great, but it's still somebody else doing the work. And so for me, what I like to do is I like to teach people, that's what the embodied healing self is, to remember who you are, to access the healer within you. And there are many of us, probably all of your listeners are healers and they don't realize it because otherwise they wouldn't be listening to the show, right? They might be the healer in their family or the healer at their job. And they know that they're that person in the room that people like to be around or whatever, in some capacity, they're healing. So remembering that truth, remembering that we have access to that healing, which is embodying the truth of who we are, that highest vibration. So the session is whatever's coming in. And then it's a co-creation of what the person is experiencing or what they need. Clearing blocks um, is a huge thing. And I know that you do that a lot too. Um, that's a huge part of it because those blocks, they they alter our frequency that we're living in and then empowering them with the course to move forward on just showing them what's possible. Um, so usually when people come to me, whatever it is they come to me for is not what, you know, what they think the result is going to be is very limiting. It's like, and I'm sure you've experienced this, like all of a sudden the love of their life walks in and, and they're 45 years old and now they have, they're getting married for the first time or they're quitting their job and stepping into their truth or they're buying that dream house. It's like they come in maybe for a health thing or for they're looking for more empowerment or self-worth and they know there's a block, but really it's showing up. How we show up in one area of our life is how we show up in all areas of our life. And so as soon as we say yes to us, as you said, the receiving, when we say yes to us and just open our arms to trust, everything that has been waiting for us just says yes to us. And it's like, here you go. It's like, you know, a home baked cake or like Chris, it's just like, here you go, sweet little angel. Everything you've ever wanted is right here. All you have to do is receive it. I love that. That's so, so you and so amazing. And so people are probably listening and, and they'll feel that vibration of connection with you, Jen. They'll be listening to these words that you're saying and be like, they'll know there'll be that inner knowing that you're the person to guide them into their experiences and into their truth and into their remembering. How will they find you to, you know, be guided in that way? 
Yeah, awesome. Thank you for asking me. So my website is jenmons.com. Super easy, J-E-N-M-O-N-S. My Instagram is jen.mons.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And um, I am doing a five-day energy energize plus align challenge next week. I don't know if this will be out by then. And then, yeah, so I do do, I do do group coaching through leading people into stepping into the flow of life and how it shows up for them is because this is what I hear. They're overwhelmed. They're exhausted. They don't have energy. So it's holding them back from creating any type of change, from reaching out to you for support, from reaching out to me, because already they believe they don't have the energy or the support to do it. But the truth is, is that they're just misaligned. They have the energy. They're just not in alignment with their truth. And so we develop these beliefs that we don't have the energy to do things, or we don't have the time, or we don't have the support because they've got blocks and they're out of alignment. So um, you can find me on my website. I do private coaching, group coaching, um, all around healing and energy healing and nutrition and kind of blending the, all of those together. So, and yeah. And you know this, this question is coming without going, the first answer is the right answer. Jen Mons, what did the listeners need to know was the book that changed your tra- trajectory of your life? Oh my gosh. One book. Yeah. So the first one that came to mind, although there's like 10, Nine Waves of Creation. Nine Waves of Creation. Who's it by? Do you remember? Uh, you don't have to. We'll look it up. So it's about, we're on the ninth wave, and it's about the frequency that we come into the earth with and why this energy work is so important. It is more important now than it ever has been, the work that you're doing, the work that I'm doing, because we are living at a, in a vibration and a frequency that if is our choices are not sustainable. And this is actually, there's like the science behind it, like where the earth is right now, how these children come into the earth, they're vibrating at a higher frequency than we were and what it means for the world, what it means for our experience. Um, yeah, I don't have it with me, but that's, that's okay. the book that comes up first. I love it. And I think that having listened to us, I think it's a powerful book to kind of like anchor everything that you have been saying today too. So I think that that was a perfect book and you have to know how much I love you. I am just so grateful for your light and that your path and my path have crossed and that we get to co-create in this energetic world together. So I am just hella grateful to you right now, Jen Mons. Oh, thank you, sister. I am totally receiving that and absolutely feel the same way about you. You're just adorable. Like I want to, I think I said this before, like, I want to have a slumber party. Like, I don't know. It's like, I just want to be like, you know. Clearly we need to have a slumber party at some point. (laughs) um, It brings me back to my, like, childhood. That's what the energy is, you know, of just that. That unconditional love is really the space. joy. There's a level of joy, I think, that when you get to that place of being in flow, that you can tap into it and acknowledge and be in the presence of joy with ease. And that a lot of people forget that joy is so much fucking fun. <laughs> yeah. And we get to choose it. And I will just say that it's, it takes a little bit of practice too. Like, yeah. it's not like you wake up and take a happy pill and then you just like, you're happy for the rest of your life. No, yeah. we have done the work and we know that it's a practice and we have also learned to honor where we are and not judge ourselves when we're not in it. Like you yeah. just kind of practice it. So yeah. yeah. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know everybody listening got something today from your magical story and your truth. So grateful, grateful, grateful. Love you, love you, love you. Oh, thank you so much. I love you too. And everybody stay tuned next week for another incredible interview. I'm so just honored to get to walk in this path with you. Thank you.